0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. Today saw the first direct exchange between senators and Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. We discussed a wide range of issues from abortion to her sentencing record, plus some unexpected fireworks in the hearing room. A Ukrainian CEO plans to continue working in Ukraine during the war. He says no country can survive without a strong economy, and he'll do whatever he can to help win the war. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has tested positive for COVID again. This comes just hours before she was set to travel with President Biden to Europe. A state of emergency is declared in Miami Beach, Florida, due to unruly spring breakers for the second year in a row. This comes after a weekend of violence and disorder with two shootings leaving five people injured. And the governor of Indiana gives his reasoning for vetoing a bill. The bill would have stopped some kids identifying as transgender from participating in girls' school sports. It's day two of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearing and the senators got their first chance to question her directly. What did they press her on? NTD's Iris Tau has more. Here comes the first
1: day of direct questioning by senators to determine whether Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson will sit on the bench of the U.S. Supreme Court potentially for the rest of her life.
2: By a term of medieval justice known as the trial by ordeal,
1: and Jackson's grilling came as expected. On top of the list was her judicial philosophy. Adherence to text is a constraint on my authority. I'm trying to figure out what those words mean uh, as they were intended by the people who wrote them. And Jackson said the Supreme Court has adopted originalism. She also asserted support for abortion presidents. Roe and Casey are... The settled law declined to say whether she backs expanding the Supreme Court. The judges should not be speaking in to political issues. And pushed back on criticisms that she's been soft on crime and lenient in sentencing child pornographers. As a mother and a judge who has had to deal with these cases, I was thinking that nothing could be further from the truth. Senator Ted Cruz also pressed Jackson on critical race theory, referring to CRT books taught at a school where Jackson serves on the board.
3: Do you think that's an accurate way of viewing society and the world we live in?
1: Senator, I don't think so. Um, But I've never studied critical race theory, and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. But a real fireworks happened when Senator Lindsey Graham pressed Jackson on her defense of Guantanamo Bay detainees. You represent their positions before the court. And Graham said he was fine with that. Instead, Graham took the chance to rail against Democrats and advocates who want Guantanamo detainees
4: released. Keep them in jail because they're going to go back to the fight. Look at the friggin' Afghan government. It's made up of former detainees at Gitmo. This whole thing by the left about this war ain't working.
1: Another heated line of Republican questioning was directed not so much at Jackson as at previous attacks by Democrats toward GOP nominees such as Amy Coney Barrett.
4: Do you attend church regularly? Would you find that offensive? Senator, I'm... I'm... You're reluctant to talk
5: about it because it's uncomfortable.
1: Today's hearing started at 9 a.m. and is stretching well into the evening. And tomorrow we'll see a second round of questioning in which all 22 members of the committee will each get 20 minutes. So expect another long day and more fireworks ahead of us.
0: Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. The CEO of an app development company in Ukraine says he wants to continue working during the war to support Ukraine's economy. He says big budgets are needed for their military, and he wants to do his part to support the country. NTD's Jason Perry spoke with him.
3: The better of the country is to win the war and to save people, and that's it. Leo Goriev
6: is the co-founder and CEO of Alti, a Ukrainian company that develops web and mobile applications for businesses around the world. He says no country can survive without a good economy. AND HE CONTINUES TO WORK BECAUSE THAT KEEPS MONEY COMING INTO HIS COUNTRY, WHICH PROVIDES TAX REVENUE TO SUPPORT THE MILITARY.
3: THAT IS WHY why WE DO EVERYTHING WE CAN TO SUPPORT OUR ARMY, TO SUPPORT PEOPLE, TO VOLUNTEER, TO SUPPORT HOSPITALS. AND AT THE SAME TIME, we, WE TRY TO WORK.
6: ONE OF HIS EMPLOYEES' HOUSES WAS DESTROYED, AND ANOTHER EMPLOYEE IS STUCK IN A UKRAINIAN VILLAGE, CARING FOR HIS ELDERLY PARENTS. And Goryev's friend decided to move away with his wife and kids after the windows of their house were blown out from a nearby explosion.
3: And that was uh, one of the, I would say that was a good decision because nowadays at, at, at their village, nobody can leave. Uh, nobody can leave the village at the moment. So it's a humanitarian crisis over there already.
6: I then asked him what he thought about Ukrainian President Zelensky banning 11 pro-Russian political parties.
3: I don't care if he bans or not, because all of the politicians at the moment, no matter which of, uh, I don't know, uh, which uh, uh, strategy they take, right, different politician parties, the only thing they need to care about right now is to save people and, and, and win this war.
6: Goryev says politics are the last thing on people's minds as the war has brought his fellow citizens closer together like never before. He mentioned that his brother owns a car
3: repair shop and he's doing his part to help the community. He's repairing cars for free for people who are uh, into volunteering, into city defense, into army, so he's repairing it for free. So, And everybody in, in Ukraine right now, if, if they have any ability to help, they are trying to help in their sphere where they are up to.
6: Goriev said Ukraine needs the whole world's support to win the war. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: It's been almost a month since Russia invaded Ukraine, and some Ukrainian performers think it's important to keep their acts going. NTD's Dan Skorback takes us inside a bunker that has come to life.
7: If it wasn't for war, this theater in Ivano-Frankivsk would be filled with audience, and an opera would be playing on the stage. But instead, Ukrainian culture is live and well, in a bomb shelter. We followed Oleksik Natkovsky, who is the lead actor, into a bomb shelter where he told us why it's important for him to keep performing.
2: Everyone has their weapons. The soldiers have their machine guns. Our weapons is art, and we're supposed to defend our country in many ways. We have to keep our people cool-headed. We should give people a little bit of relief.
7: The director of the Ivano-Frankivsk Theater, Slav Terzibilski, told us how art can win wars.
2: We all know this from history. An army that is much smaller than numbers, but is motivated, has a spiritual base, which has a greater mission, if we use our artist way of saying this. And we do it because we are defending our land, our history, and our culture, while defending the whole world. In this case, the spirit is much stronger and plays much a greater role.
7: Ukrainian film director Oles Sanin was in the audience as well. And he told us that the hand of God is never far away. God always comes to people on Earth during the times when most have lost their faith. When people have a choice between fear and perseverance, God helps them find the inspiration or strength of faith. The most important moment is the moment of choice. Here, it's all about a choice. A choice between what one believes in and something else. Often, for everyone, it's their life. Although it's easy to destroy a building or an arms facility or an airport, it's very hard to destroy a culture and its people's spirit. Dan Skorback, NTD News, Ivana Frankivsk, Ukraine.
0: President Biden is warning business leaders of potential Russian cyber attacks. He says this is in response to U.S. support for Ukraine. Biden is reiterating warnings due to evolving intelligence that Russia may be planning attacks on American companies and critical infrastructure.
8: The magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready. But under U.S. law, as you all remember, the private sector, all of you, largely decides the protections that you will or will not take in order to protect your sources.
0: Biden urged businesses to shore up their cyber defenses, to protect themselves and to protect the national interest. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said today that she's tested positive for COVID. This is the second time she's tested positive for the virus as press secretary. Psaki tweeted that she took a COVID test in preparation for Wednesday's trip. And she was later notified of a positive result. She said she'll follow CDC guidance and work from home. That means she won't accompany Biden to Belgium and Poland on Wednesday. Saki says she has only suffered mild symptoms. The press secretary added that Biden tested negative for his COVID test after taking the test on Tuesday. Saki had first tested positive at the end of October in 2021. And as a result, did not travel with Biden to the G20 summit in Rome. A state of emergency has been declared in Miami Beach, Florida, and a curfew will soon be imposed. This is in response to violence erupting among spring breakers, including two shootings over the weekend. Here are the details.
9: This isn't your father's uh, mother's spring break. This is something wholly different.
10: Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber said Monday that rowdy spring breakers have created an unacceptable atmosphere of fear in the city the city declared a state of emergency Monday after two shootings along Ocean Drive injured five people over the weekend. The mayor said during a press conference that even with 371 officers deployed, they couldn't tame the unruly weekend crowds.
9: We can't endure this anymore. We just simply can't. We don't ask for spring break. We don't promote it. We don't encourage it. Uh, We just endure it. And frankly, uh, it's not something we want to endure. We don't want spring break.
10: According to the Miami Beach Fraternal Order of Police, four officers were injured over the weekend. The police chief said authorities have seized 100 guns over the past four weeks, including 37 in the last few days. This is an increase from last year. In an effort to get people off the streets, a curfew will go into effect after midnight on Thursday. It will stay in place for the next two weekends. This is the second year in a row the city has declared a state of emergency during spring break. Miami Beach has long been a favorite destination for spring breakers. But in recent years, crowds have gotten bigger and harder to contain. Last year, police made over 1,000 arrests. The city is recruiting police officers from across Florida to help maintain law and order until the vacationers head back to college. Grace Coulter, NTD News.
0: Since taking office in 2019, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has pledged to shake up school standards and help students develop real-world skills. Today, Florida joined six other states that require students to learn how to manage money. NTD's Arlene Richards has the story.
11: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Tuesday that requires high school students to complete a half-credit course in financial literacy in order to graduate. At the signing ceremony, DeSantis said the bill's requirements are key to ensuring students are fully educated.
2: We try to uh, really work hard to provide students with the fullest education possible.
11: According to the governor, the course will teach students basic money management, like how to file taxes and the fundamentals of investing. He hopes the course will help improve students' ability to manage their finances in the real world and in their careers.
2: What the bill's doing with financial literacy uh, is really providing a foundation for students that's going to be applicable in their lives regardless of what path
12: they take.
11: DeSantis said he is building off his promise to eliminate Common Core, the national academic standard used by the majority of states, saying that Florida has already incorporated financial principles in math courses, and that this latest requirement is consistent with the state's high academic standards. The law will start to apply in the 2023-24 school year. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: And this bill is the latest in a series of education-focused legislation recently passed in Florida. Just yesterday, Governor DeSantis approved $800 million in state funding to raise teachers' pay. And adult film actress Stormy Daniels has been ordered by a federal court to pay Donald Trump nearly $300,000 in legal fees. This is after the court denied her appeal in a defamation case against the former president. In 2016, Daniels claimed she'd had an affair with Trump and claimed that her life was threatened after coming forward. She sued Trump for libel after he called her claims a con. Trump celebrated the court's ruling in a statement Monday saying that all I have to do is wait for all of the money she owes me. He also called Daniel's lawsuit a purely political stunt that never should have been started or allowed to happen. But Daniel's is vowing not to pay up, writing in a tweet, I will go to jail before I pay a penny. The ruling followed an earlier ruling by a lower court which rejected Daniel's defamation suit. Last month, Daniel's lawyer Michael Avenatti was found guilty of stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from her. He stole $300,000 in book publishers' payments, nearly the same amount Daniels now has to pay Trump. And China says they found no survivors so far from the plane crash yesterday. 132 people were on board. Authorities say the investigation is very challenging because the plane was severely damaged.
13: NTD's Allison Lee has the details. Chinese officials confirmed on Tuesday that rescue teams have been unable to find any signs of life at the site of the plane crash. All they found were personal effects such as mud-stained wallets and ID cards.
2: As of now, the rescue has yet to find survivors. The Public Security Department has taken control over the site.
13: The plane was a Boeing 737-800 operated by China Eastern Airlines. It was flying from Kunming in the southwest to Guangzhou on the southeastern coast. When it crashed into the mountains of the Guangxi region Monday afternoon local time, 132 people were on board.
2: The plane's age was 6.8 years. It satisfied the requirements to fly before takeoff, and its technical condition was stable. There was a crew of nine members on the plane, and the crew members were in good health.
13: Authorities tried to explain what was happening to the plane immediately before the crash. The plane was at cruising altitude before plunging steeply.
2: At 14.21, the controller noticed that the aircraft attitude had dropped sharply and called the crew several times at random, but failed to receive any reply. At 14.23, the radar signal of the aircraft disappeared.
13: Residents living near the crash site said they heard loud sounds when the plane went down.
2: I heard a big bang. At the time, some people were doing their work peeling tree bark. It was as loud as the sound of thunder striking. It was two loud sounds.
13: A number of relatives, friends and colleagues of the passengers gathered at the destination airport in Guangzhou waiting for news. A man says one of his colleagues was on board.
2: His relatives had very mixed feelings when I broke the news. They were sobbing. His mother didn't believe that this had happened. After I broke the news to her, she was sobbing.
13: This is China's first fatal passenger jet crash since 2010. Authorities said they are beginning to investigate, but that it's very challenging because the plane was severely damaged. They are trying to recover the plane's black box and are unable to determine the cause of the crash at the moment. China Eastern Airlines grounded all of its Boeing 737-800s after the crash. Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: Coming up, many blame bail reform for the rise in violent crime in New York. The governor has shown support for those bail laws, but now she's proposing some changes. And a bill in Indiana would stop some kids identifying as transgender from participating in girls' school sports. But the Republican governor vetoes it. He explains his reasoning. All that and more coming up on NTD
14: News.
4: Russia and Ukraine, the largest conflict in Europe since World War II. More than two million refugees in two weeks, families torn apart, lives changed forever. A war with global consequences. Tune in for special coverage from our reporters on the ground, right here on NTD News.
0: The New York governor has admitted to trying to change the state's bail reform laws. Just last week, Hochul expressed support for them. Critics blame those laws for the city's rising crime. NTD's Arian Pasdar has more from the Big Apple.
15: In 2019, New York State implemented bail reform. Now less crimes are eligible for bail, suspects are being let go, and some say that violent crime has gone up because of it. New York City's mayor has been advocating for changes to bail laws, and now it looks like the governor is on his side. Last week, a 10-point plan by the governor to improve bail laws was leaked to the press. Poker plans to include those changes in her proposal for the state budget.
10: And I've made it clear for months that public safety is one of my top priorities. Uh, We've had many conversations behind the scenes about this. I've been taking action to reduce gun violence, uh, try to address the trafficking of illegal guns. We have a task force that's set up.
15: The 10-point plan was first obtained by the New York Post. Some of its most notable points are allowing judges to determine bail for most serious felonies making repeat offenses subject to arrest and bail eligible, making certain gun-related offenses bail eligible, and more money for mental health treatment. The budget in which the 10-point plan will be included should be presented on April 1st. Arian Pastar, NTD News, New York.
0: Staying in New York, the unemployment rate in the city is much higher than the national average right now. Twice as high, to be exact, at 7.3%. In general, New York City is emerging from the pandemic slower than other cities in the U.S. There could be multiple reasons. The city depends heavily on Broadway, which hasn't fully returned yet. Also, office vacancies are seeing a 40-year high. And subway ridership is still much lower than it was before the pandemic. Many people left the city over the past two years due to high taxes, COVID restrictions and a rise in crime multiple tornadoes ripped through parts of texas and oklahoma yesterday causing widespread damage officials said one person was killed and more than a dozen injured when tornadoes ripped through the interstate 35 corridor of texas and parts of oklahoma damaging a school homes and businesses the storm system has brought heavy rainfall and thunderstorms to parts of texas and arkansas it's headed toward louisiana and mississippi today And forecasters say more tornadoes are expected. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed a bill that would bar some transgender athletes from competing in girls' school sports across the state. NTD's Dave Martin has more.
8: Governor Holcomb, a Republican, wrote in his veto letter that as far as clarity and consistency regarding fairness in sports, the bill falls short. Holcomb cites the wide open nature of the grievance provision that could lead to litigation against schools. As he put it, student athletes could be treated differently according to which school they attend and compete for. Holcomb also said in other states that passed similar legislation, lawsuits have either been filed or were threatened to be filed. He points out that a federal lawsuit was filed in Indiana by a student who wishes to compete on the team of his or her choice and that the bill should address the issues those lawsuits raise. Finally, Holcomb doesn't see that there's a problem to be fixed in the first place. Said Holcomb, It implies that the goals of consistency and fairness in competitive female sports are not currently being met. After thorough review, I find no evidence to support either claim even if I support the overall bill. The governor's veto can be overridden with simple majorities in the state's House and Senate. Dave Martin, NTD News.
0: A 2017 letter from Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred to New York Yankees General Manager Brian Cashman could be made public. That's according to a ruling by a federal judge. The letter is about alleged sign stealing by the Yankees. The letter is part of discovery into a lawsuit filed by DraftKings bettors. The sports betting company sued Major League Baseball, the Houston Astros, and the Boston Red Sox for $5 million. Boston was fined by the league in 2017 for using an electronic device to steal signs from the Yankees. Three years later, Houston was fined and docked multiple draft picks for using a video feed to steal signs. The Yankees were also fined in 2017 when an investigation revealed they improperly used a dugout phone in a prior season. The Yankees and Major League Baseball have two weeks to decide whether to appeal. Before the September 11th museum opened at the World Trade Center, the 9-11 Tribute Museum opened across the street. 16 years and 5 million visitors later, the museum may be closing. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more.
16: Financial pressures have been mounting for some time, but leaders say the museum has been pushed to the brink by the pandemic, which hammered tourism after a costly 2017 move.
1: We are still hoping that a champion could step forward um, for what we need to basically right the ship and really the most importantly, continue our programs going forward. Um, It is in the millions, but it's not insurmountable.
16: The 9-11 Tribute Museum traces its roots to 2004, when a group of victims' relatives decide to turn a former Delhi steps away from Ground Zero into a museum.
1: The memorial serves a very important um, story of history, but it's not the community that was directly affected, and that's what Tribute serves.
16: The 9-11 Tribute Museum exhibited a photo gallery of victims and artifacts, including twisted steel from the wreckage. But it became best known for walking tours of the Trade Center site, led by relatives of the dead, survivors, rescue and recovery workers, and people who lived nearby on 9-11.
1: The 9-11 Memorial at the World Trade Center site is really a tribute to those who died on September 11th. The 9-11 Tribute Museum is about the survivor community. It's about those people that came down here as heroes to help support the rebuilding of Lower Manhattan.
16: The Tribute Center quickly proved popular with visitors, with 100,000 visiting in the first four months. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: You've probably heard of Bitcoin, but have you heard of Privacy Coin? Like the name promises, it's supposed to give users more privacy. And right now, some are favoring this over Bitcoin. NTD's Phil Zo reports.
4: If you want to keep your business private while using crypto coins, Bitcoin used to be good enough.
0: The blockchain was always designed to be
17: completely transparent, uh, that everyone can see every transaction that happens on the network.
4: But now, some people are turning to Privacy Coins. I spoke to Stephen Kraft, who's head of over-the-counter trading at the crypto exchange Coinsmart.
17: If there's increased taxation or, you know, implementation of travel rules, this will likely increase the value of privacy coins to a certain subset of the market.
4: Crypto journalist David Gerard says privacy coins were created out of good intentions, but now are mainly used for illegal activities.
2: Monero is the favorite of people buying drugs online. Overwhelmingly, the main use of these things in practice is buying things that a government doesn't want you to.
4: Popular privacy coins like Monero and Zcash have gained 7% and 46% this month, according to CoinMarketCap. But even so, Girard says there's another problem.
2: The volumes on this stuff are quite low. The markets are not very liquid. So you can see a jump up and it could be the war. It could be anything. Um, it's hard to say what it actually is because these markets are quite tiny.
4: That's why Bitcoin is down about 5% for the month. Crypto investor Bob Billbrook says he's keeping an eye on privacy coins, especially with the conflict over in Russia and Ukraine.
16: I think people want to be in control of their own money, and I think they want to have their transactions they're doing with their money to be private, and privacy coins allow them to do that.
4: Phil Zhou, NTD News.
0: Coming up, after 45 years, a California police department solved a cold case homicide. The murderer is identified and the victim's family is starting their healing process. And a preschool teacher in Southern California led her class in what sounds to be an anti-Joe Biden chant. One mother pulled her daughter from the school and explains why. at a major California oil refinery went on strike Monday. Chevron and the United Steelworkers could not come to a contract agreement after recent negotiations. But the rest of California doesn't need to worry too much as Chevron says gas prices won't be affected. NTD's Daniel Hall has the details.
12: Over 500 workers at the Bay Area's Chevron Corporation refinery went on strike early Monday. Union workers at the plant in Richmond did not come to a bargaining agreement with Chevron, voting down the company's offer. Chevron refused to return to the bargaining table. The strike, organized by the United Steelworkers Local 5, began over safety concerns and demands for salary increases.
6: They're tired of coming to work and uh making a profit for these corporations and uh, having no consideration when it comes to their health and safety, when it comes uh, to their, uh, their, medic- their medical coverage, um, to their uh, hours, their wages, fatigue.
12: Chevron said in a Sunday night statement that it has negotiated for months and believes their offer to be fair. The company added that in Richmond, the union's demands exceeded what the company believes to be reasonable and moved beyond what was agreed to as part of the national pattern bargaining agreement. Chevron offered a 2.5% pay increase for its roughly 1,300 workers. White said the union asked for 5%, citing inflation and cost of living in the Bay Area. Despite negotiations failing, Chevron said in a statement it is fully prepared to continue normal operations. It also does not anticipate supply chain issues. Chevron wrote, we anticipate no issues in maintaining a reliable supply of products to the market. But if the strike shuts down the refinery, it could affect the already record-high California gasoline prices.
0: In Northern California's Bay Area, police announced they solved a 45-year-old cold case. Closing the case came after the police established a cold case unit last year. NTD's Eileen Ang has more.
18: California's Alameda Police Department said they have solved a 45-year-old cold case homicide. The announcement comes after an 11-month-long investigation by the department's cold case unit. The unit was established in April 2021 and led by two retired Alameda police sergeants and a retired Alameda police officer.
6: We hope this model, this approach, can serve as a model for the rest of the country to help bring justice to the victims of over 260,000 unsolved homicides in the United States.
18: In March 1977, 43-year-old Richard Bischel Sr. was stabbed 10 times during an attempted burglary while at home with his then-17-year-old son. The Korean War veteran died at the hospital from his injuries. Given new technology and forensics, police was able to identify Richard Curley Bernard, a serial burglar and rapist, to be responsible for the murder. The police found blood on the jacket in the suspect's home. The department said the suspect is now deceased. The victim's son, who was present at the news conference, conveyed his thanks to the police department on behalf of his family and late mother.
0: A private school in Southern California apologized for a video of preschoolers apparently chanting against President Joe Biden. The video shows a teacher leading the chant. One mother explains why she removed her daughter from the school. Here's NTD's David Lamb.
17: In a video shared by one mother, an unnamed Southern California teacher asks students about the U.S. president.
9: Who's our president? What do we want to do with him? What? We want him
17: out! Tina McFadden, the mother who shared the video to social media, said the preschool teacher sent the video to parents on February 18th. From the video, it's unclear to make out the last word of the student's response. But McFadden, whose daughter attended the school, said the students are saying out. Officials at the school said in a statement to parents that the school was sorry for any misunderstanding caused by the video. Earlier today, a video was posted that has since been deleted as it did not share our school and church philosophy of honoring and respecting authority, including those in government positions. This occurred at Turning Point, a private school in Norco, California, from a President's Day lesson.
11: Now, as Americans, we have the right to believe in whatever we want. And the statement, if anybody believes in that, that's fine.
13: That's their right to believe in that. However, it is not the right of the teacher to indoctrinate four- and five-year-olds.
17: McFadden said she withdrew her daughter from the school. It's unclear what disciplinary action was taken against the teacher. But McFadden said the teacher remains in the classroom because the school said she is repentant and has learned from her mistake. Turning Point is a non-profit Christian school that offers a wide range of programs for preschool through sixth grade. NTD reached out to both the school and the mother for comment. McFadden says she's getting overwhelmed with all the requests at this time and needs to pause. David Lamb, NTD News, California.
0: Coming up, Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine has caused NATO to arm up. The outcome of the war will have broad implications on global peace that extend beyond Europe. And what China Evergrande is calling a major incident, what it means for the property developers, anxious investors. That much and more coming up on NTD News.
17: Navigating a world of economic madness. You need to have the right guide. What did today's decisions mean for your tomorrow? We ask why. What's the alternative? Uncover the deeper reasons and the hidden influences and highlight the real opportunities for profit. At Entity Business, we connect the dots for you.
14: Good evening. Thank you.
0: Russia's invasion of Ukraine has stirred fears within NATO that a new iron curtain could fall across Europe. But Europe is not the only front where world peace is on the line. We look at what implications the outcome of the war could have on global security.
11: President Biden this week is heading to Europe. He will be meeting with heads of NATO, European, and G7 leaders about how to stop Russia's ongoing attack on Ukraine. THIS, AS VLADIMIR PUTIN'S INVASION, NOW SEEMINGLY ON TRACK TO BECOME A PROTRACTED WAR, IS TRIGGERING GEOPOLITICAL CHANGES IN THE WORLD AT A SCALE NOT SEEN IN DECADES.
19: PRESIDENT PUTIN'S WAR uh, IN UKRAINE IS KILLING INNOCENT CIVILIANS. NATO'S RESPONSE HAS BEEN SWIFT AND DECISIVE.
11: THE RUSSIAN PRESIDENT HAS UNINTENTIONALLY ACHIEVED WHAT FORMER U.S. PRESIDENT DONALD TRUMP WAS TRYING TO DO. The war is motivating members of NATO to promise more defense spendings.
9: After Germany uh, said over the weekend it would wants to increase its budgets, uh, its defense budget, to reach 2% of GDP.
11: NATO makes up a military alliance between 30 Western democracies alongside Germany's increase. Poland passed a law to increase its defense budget to at least 3% of its GDP by 2023 while frontline nations like Romania, Latvia and Lithuania, fearful of Russian incursion, are pledging to boost military spending. NATO worries that Putin may not stop at Ukraine. That's why, hours after Russia's attack on Ukraine began, five German warships set sail for Latvia to help protect the most vulnerable part of NATO's eastern flank. Under the Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, an attack on any member state equals an attack on the entire alliance and can justify military action by other members of the alliance. Worth noting, the U.S. is the head of the NATO, and Canada is also a member. But President Biden has also called for caution, saying that direct confrontation with Russia could set off a global conflict. We will
8: not fight a war against Russia in Ukraine. Direct confrontation between NATO and Russia is World War III.
11: Eastern Europe isn't the only front where an Iron Curtain could fall, and where overall world peace is on the line. As Western democracies reach record-level unity against Russia, one regime is closely watching those actions as it calculates its next move. The Chinese regime is monitoring what's happening to Ukraine, which will likely influence the fate of the island of Taiwan. Either by force or not, taking over democratic Taiwan and putting it under communist rule is a non-negotiable goal for the Chinese Communist Party. The question for Beijing is not if, but when it will invade. But now the Communist Party watches as the West slaps crippling sanctions on Moscow, while offering billions of dollars of military assistance to Ukraine's capital, Kiev. BEIJING IS NOW CONSIDERING WHETHER ITS STRUGGLING POST-PANDEMIC ECONOMY WILL BE ABLE TO TAKE THE SAME BLOW RUSSIA DID FROM WESTERN SANCTIONS, LIKE GETTING KICKED OUT OF THE SWIFT FINANCIAL SYSTEM. EVEN THOUGH MOST COUNTRIES, INCLUDING THE U.S., DON'T FORMALLY RECOGNIZE TAIWAN AS A SOVEREIGN nation. The island is arguably more strategically important than Ukraine to the safety of American territory. It's also a decade-long ally to the U.S. And what about American sentiment towards Taiwan? Polling data shows that the majority of American voters from both parties believe the U.S. should send troops to Taiwan if China invades, though many aren't willing to defend Ukraine. The outcome of the Ukraine invasion and the amount of Western resolve will likely have huge implications for global peace.
0: In one Russian town, sugar has sold out in many stores and residents expect some goods to become unaffordable as Western sanctions over Moscow's military intervention in Ukraine take hold. Emma McCarthy reports.
14: In Pokrov, a town of just 17,000 people 60 miles east of Moscow, western sanctions are starting to bite. Pokrov local Larissa says the price of sugar and salt is rising. Facing its gravest economic crisis for more than 20 years, Moscow has been telling citizens there is no lack of food and urging them not to panic by staples. But for some, that's fallen on deaf ears. One resident, Svetlana, purchased more than 20 pounds of sugar in the city of Vladimir, an hour away, to make sure she could preserve the berries she'll collect this summer. She says people are afraid the price will go up. Visiting four local stores, Reuters was unable to find any sugar on sale. Shelves where it once sat were empty or filled with other goods. In another sign of the times, a shuttered McDonald's, just one of the dozens of Western firms that has stopped its operations in Russia. Pensioner Antonina says her state pension was enough to cover her basic needs, but she expects to have to change her eating habits. She said she probably won't be able to buy fruit for some time. For Larissa, it's merely the latest setback after many periods of uncertainty. I was born in Soviet times. Then there was
2: perestroika, then there were the 90s, food stamps. We got over it all.
0: China's Evergrande is making the headlines again. A Chinese bank has just seized $2 billion from one of its subsidiaries. Apparently, the subsidiary put its cash up for collateral for somebody else's loans. But this hidden liability was never disclosed to investors. It raises questions about just how big Evergrande's debt really is. And TD's Don Ma has the story.
4: My first reaction to the overnight news on Evergrande is that I'm actually absolutely shocked.
20: More questions today about just how much debt China Evergrande has and if investors are likely to get paid back. Evergrande says a Chinese bank has just seized $2 billion from Evergrande's Hong Kong subsidiary. Apparently the subsidiary had put the cash up as collateral or insurance for somebody else's loan. When that somebody else couldn't pay back the loan, the bank stepped in to take the money. Brian McCarthy is the chief strategist at MacroLens.
4: It's it's uh, you know either either company-wide accounting fraud or at the very least uh, a very serious lack of oversight.
20: This loan guarantee wasn't recorded anywhere in Evergrande's books or the Evergrande subsidiary's books. It should have been. Evergrande is calling it a, quote, major incident. What's raising even more eyebrows is that this subsidiary isn't even in the business of guaranteeing loans or issuing loans. It's a property maintenance company.
4: So it might have been an under-the-table deal where some manager at the sub provided said, "I'll, I'll guarantee that debt for you for a payback. And now the debt's gone belly up and the money's gone.
20: The $2 billion seized by the bank is pretty much all the subsidiary's cash. Evergrande's foreign investors are set to lose out as the property management division of the business was thought to be pretty valuable relative to the rest of the company. Evergrande is in the process of restructuring its global debt right now, and investors are waiting to see how much they'll get back.
3: My guess
4: is there'll be not much left for bondholders when that process is done.
20: This story is still developing, so we'll keep you updated. Don and NTD News.
0: Over to the UK. Police lost a legal bid to force a journalist who investigated the 1974 Birmingham pub bombings to reveal his sources. Chris Mullin helped expose one of the worst miscarriages of justice in British history, leading to the release of six men who had been wrongfully convicted for the bombings. He says the right to protect sources is fundamental to a free press and a democracy. This report comes from NTD's Malcolm Hudson.
19: Chris Mullin, a journalist who investigated the 1974 Birmingham pub bombings, will not be forced to reveal his sources to the police. His book, Error of Judgment, and a series of documentaries led to the release of six innocent men who spent 17 years in prison after being wrongfully convicted for the bombings.
4: The right of a journalist to protect his or her sources is fundamental to a free press uh, in a democracy. My actions in this case were overwhelmingly in the public interest.
19: Mullen spoke after an old Bailey judge ruled he will not have to hand over the material.
4: This case also resulted in the setting up of a royal commission, which among other reforms led to the criminal cases review commission and the quashing of another 500 or more convictions.
19: Police took Mullen to court to force him to reveal his anonymous sources. The police lawyers said Mullins notes could solve the case as they contained the name of the bomb planter. The bombings killed 21 people. Mullen says he had been guided by efforts to free the innocent and that he could only achieve that by guaranteeing the anonymity of his sources. Mullen's solicitor called the judgment a landmark for freedom of expression and that if a confidential source cannot rely on a journalist's promise of lifelong protection then these investigations will never see the light of day. Assistant Chief Constable Matt Ward of West Midlands Police said, This was a complex issue balancing the need to pursue all significant lines of inquiry related to the 1974 Birmingham pub bombings against the rights of journalists to keep the sources of their information confidential. Ward says the police will consider the judgments carefully and will remain committed to bringing justice to the murderers of the 21 victims. Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London.
0: Coming up, a once in a lifetime experience that many in China say they wish they could see. Audience members who watch Shen Yun performing arts say the beauty brought them to tears. DC's cherry blossoms are now at peak bloom. NTD brings you a glimpse of these iconic trees and the Japanese culture they originate from. More in just a moment. A classical Chinese dance performance revives 5,000 years of traditional culture and brings audiences to tears. Shen Yun showcases what it calls its divinely inspired origins, and audiences say it's a once in a lifetime experience. It brought tears to my eyes, it
9: was so moving.
8: There's a sense really of humanity um, in all of its glory and all of its beauty. The dancing is simply remarkable.
5: When art is inspired by the divine, something breathtaking seems to overwhelm the senses. This is what many theater goers experienced while watching Shen Yun this past weekend across the U.S., Canada, and Europe.
1: I think it was the beauty. It was the the music
7: was so harmonious with every movement of the dancers. So it was just an experience that is a one in a lifetime
5: ancient chinese people believed their culture was a gift from the divine in the past artists who sought divine inspiration would cultivate goodness meditate and seek virtue shen yun's artists follow this tradition according to the company's website
1: yes Absolutely, it is divine, and um, that's kind of the inspiration as well, is what's behind it shining through all of the precise dancing, I think is what makes it really beautiful. You can
10: really sense the pride amongst the, the dancers, the story, um, and you know the importance of keeping culture alive, I think, is, uh, has come across
14: very loud and clear.
5: But this once glorious culture of China was almost lost under communism, as the Chinese Communist Party sought to uproot traditional beliefs and values. And Shen Yun's mission is to revive the core values of China's traditional culture.
16: If they visited China, they're not going to see this. And they're going to see something in this performance, in this company, that uh, only those viewing it outside of mainland China would ever see anything like it.
12: I
8: have seen modern China as part of my business. And this is a part of China I'm so glad to see, but I don't think I'd ever see it. I would love to see this China come back. I think uh, it's, um, it's glorious and it's beautiful and it's timeless.
5: Shen Yun will be performing in Texas, Hawaii, Vancouver and Denmark this week. NTD News, New York.
0: The cherry blossom trees scattered throughout Washington DC are a symbol that spring has arrived. Here's NTD's Molina Cup with a peek at the blossoms and a view of the culture from which they originate.
9: If you take a walk around D.C.'s Tidal Basin at this time of year, you're surrounded by blooming cherry blossoms. All of them are beautiful, but they aren't all the same. Like I had to come to this tree specifically because it was the right shade of pink. Some of the other ones around are like whitish color or like a very dark pink, but this one is kind of like a pastel color, like you could see how it's tinted there. Some flowers fully bloomed, others soon to open, sitting against a backdrop of the water, sky, and happy faces. Details that are easy to miss unless you see it with your own eyes.
3: You know, until you see it in person, it really is difficult to imagine just how amazing it is. So,
9: In Chinese culture, they represent love in the female mystique. I think yesterday was the peak, so we came out today to get some sun. The flowers are very popular in Japanese culture as well. Cherry blossoms are Japan's national flower. In Japan they're called Sakura and these trees were planted here in the U.S. in 1912 as a gift from the people of Japan. And this Japanese statue is placed right here in the middle of all of these cherry blossom trees. Japan gave the statue to America in the 1950s to symbolize the spirit of friendship between the two countries. It represents earth, water, wind, fire and sky. Not only do these flowers at DC's Tidal Basin symbolize friendship, they also foster friendship by allowing a space for moments like this to be reflected on for years to come. So we've been friends for like 54 years. We're just enjoying the friendship, yeah. The beauty of these trees, the loveliness of the day, our friendship, because we're talking about the years, you know, that we didn't get along yeah. and the purpose of a friendship. And here's a mother and daughter bonding over the cherry blossom's inner meaning, which in Japanese culture symbolizes renewal and the fleeting nature of life.
10: Life doesn't last forever. Cherry blossoms don't last forever. They're only here for a while. There's peak bloom, uh, post bloom, and then they're gone.
9: So. Um, I share everything with my daughter. We're best friends. Um, we do everything that we can together. We try and experience life to the fullest. And I just love her a lot. And I just want to share every moment I can with her. They usually last up to two weeks after blooming. So cherish them while they're here and then wait until next year. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News.
0: And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.